welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back this fortnight to take another look at Orange is the New Black. Yeah, so, so what do you think? Yeah. How'd you go, uh, etc.? How'd I go, what I think, all, all those good questions. Um, yeah. Let's do a plot summary. I'm going to keep you in suspense of what I thought. Oh. Ooh, I know. I I I'm, <laughs> I just finished season one and got like three episodes into season two, so this will cover spoilers okay. for the first half of for for all of season one, and then it, you know maybe one or two bits of season two. Um, yeah. So Piper, she she she's a girl. She's in her thirties, and it's revealed that when she was in her like twenty two ish or twenty three kind of age, <laughs> uh, she was dating a girl who was a, a drug smuggler. And she helped her out one time smuggling drugs in a, you know, Amsterdam airport or something like that. Yeah. Um, And now, eight or nine years later, this girl has kind of been pressured by the cops. They've been taking down this drug smuggling ring. And this girl has named her as somebody who was involved. So she gets arrested and sentenced to 15 months in prison. Yep. When she gets there, it's rough. She's kind of like white middle class. Um upper middle class maybe yeah she's and very waspy uh yeah exactly which i'm pretty sure they explicitly say in the show a number of times but yeah yes they do um and oh she's the fish out of water how's she gonna handle it <laughs> <laughs> um uh it turns out the girl who named her alex the girl she was dating you know eight to ten years ago is there too uh and they kind of a lot of the plot revolves around them kind of rekindling their relationship while she is also married to somebody else on the outside, or not married, engaged to her fiancé, Larry, on the outside of prison, and she's horrible and she cheats on him repeatedly. Um, There's also a kind of plot line throughout season one of this girl who, this kind of girl in prison who uh, who was a meth addict, who had an abortion, and then became, and then shot somebody in an abortion clinic and kind of became the poster child for the anti-abortion Christian movement and now kind of is very uh, zealously Christian and starts faith healing people and just goes off the deep end and then they, then Piper, the main character, almost kills her. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's basically the summary of season one. The main <laughs> plot thread is Piper rekindling her relationship with Alex, the girl that she you know, the girl that got her arrested while she kind of cheats on her fiancé. And there are other kind of individual character arcs that come up throughout the show. Um, But we'll talk about those in a bit, I think. Yeah. So it was about episode... Actually, hold on. Let me check my notes. It was about... Oh, there we go. It was episode nine. Episode nine was the turning point for me from when I went to, oh, Piper's a character that I can feel sympathetic for to, oh, I hate Piper so much. Yeah. I, <laughs> I literally, I, like, I don't dislike watching her character, but I, it, it's like hate watching, you know? Uh, that, that'll come in time. Um, yeah. Is she, you know, she's, she's been the weakest part of the show, you, you know, like um, having seen all the six seasons that are out currently, she's been the weakest part of the show for a while, but it feels like they keep her around just because the original premise was sort of built around her journey well let's let's talk about why that is because this is something i didn't actually know until i started watching the show it's based off of a memoir by somebody called piper kerman a a book called orange is the new black my year spent in a woman's prison my year spent inside a woman's prison something like that um 
And so she, obviously Piper in the show, Piper Chapman is the character's name, is a fictionalized version of Piper Kerman, a real person who went to a woman's prison. Um, yeah. And it seems like a lot of the show, it's interesting because it, Piper is, and I suspect because she's a real person, probably the least interesting character in the entire show. <laughs> All the other characters are fictional, as far as I can tell. Uh, they don't seem to be based on any real people, although a few of them have kind of real roots, but they're just more interesting because they can be, because they're fictional, you know? Well, and also just because, like, I think the whole premise of Piper in the show is she's meant to be this very normal, like, white girl type thing, yeah. you know, from the upper middle class. So she's she's almost kind of boring by design, and it works really well at the start of the show to, to create that whole fish-out-of-water dynamic. Yeah. Uh, but then as the show keeps going... You know, her her intentional boringness is just still there. Yeah, probably a good example is an early plotline revolving around another inmate called Crazy Eyes, who has a lot of, I mean, her name's Suzanne, but everyone calls her Crazy Eyes, who has a lot of, um, I don't know if it's if it's bipolar or something, but she's, she clearly has mental problems. Um, and Crazy Eyes finds <laughs> finds Piper and basically says, oh, you're my wife now. You're my prison wife. And and yeah. the early plotline is her trying to navigate kind of getting out of this situation without causing too much of a stir, basically. Um, yeah, pretty much. And that's a lot of how she reacts to things is, how do I get out of this situation without causing too much of a stir? <laughs> Which is fine from a dramatic standpoint, you know, for the first half of the season, but eventually it's just like, this is just... <laughs> she's just not fascinating she's not she doesn't seem to have any goals beyond kind of you know existing which is fine from a point of view like it makes sense but it's not that engaging to watch no it, yeah i completely agree and i think like that's generally like I, from what i've seen most people just wish piper and, and alex would kind of get out of the way uh, yeah i actually thought show. i i actually quite liked alex as a character she was more interesting to me than Piper. I mean, every character in the well, show is yeah. more interesting to me than Piper, really. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, <laughs> I don't want to just spend too much time going, oh, this character is really great because of this reason, that character is really great because of that reason. Th they all... Yeah, we'll be here all day. Yeah, exactly. We, we kind of <laughs> covered it in the first... In the, you, you covered it when you were prescribing this to me, to us, to everybody, and by saying the flashbacks that you get into... The characters just gives you this great insight into who they are. Um, and I'll point to Pensataki, who's the previously mentioned uh, evangelical Christian crazy lady. Um, yeah. She, <clears throat> so we when we first meet her, she is already in this kind of crazy mindset. Um, she's already a bit gone off the rails, and it gets worse and worse over the course of the season. Uh, and then, like, the third or fourth last episode we we get her flashbacks and we kind of find out why she is who she is um she was a meth addict who seemed kind of chill really who, <laughs> who just kind of was content living out her days smoking meth and not really attaining any higher goals um she had an, an abortion her eighth abortion the lady in the abortion clinic insulted her and this kind of set her off and she went inside and shot her and then the next we see in fact, I think the last bit of flashback we see from her for a while is she walks into the courthouse 
and is met by a new lawyer who claims that her her legal fees has all been paid. He's this like, you know, he's this very suit wearing, uh, upstanding looking kind of lawyer. He explains that he's from a Christian advocacy group, and she walks into the into the court, and people just start cheering for her. Like waving signs, like "Yeah, you go." Um, she's become this poster child for fighting against abortion, even though that wasn't what she was trying to do. And you see her <laughs> face just kind of go into this wide grin, and you just get this sense of like, "Oh, she kind of feels accepted. She feels that she's found a place where people respect her or give her the respect she thinks she deserves." Yeah. And now it all just kind of clicks. Her character just kind of clicks, and I just loved seeing that for all these different characters. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you enjoyed Pensataki depressing kind of uh, flashbacks, you know, there's there's more where that came from. More of those to come, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah, it's it's great. You you have these characters that are usually set up in kind of, if not antagonistic, at least hostile relationships to Piper, um, and and we as the audience are kind of like, oh, that that characters are bad character or whatever you know um yeah and then it's explored and and subverted and there are some times where that they turn from a you know hostile to a complete ally uh like someone like uh madame claudette who is one of piper's roommates for a bit um whose yeah. story actually ends rather sadly in the first season when she freaks out and tries to choke a guard and then gets kind of shuffled off and you never really see her again but um yeah <laughs> uh but there uh, there there are a bunch of characters like that who start out antagonistic and then you just kind of peel away the layers to see the human that's underneath yeah yeah and i honestly that's kind of the point of the show right um yeah exactly. that's the point of the memoir and it's the point of what piper kerman devotes her life to doing which is kind of just saying showing hey these people aren't just criminals these women aren't defined by the fact that they're in prison or defined by the crimes that they committed or perhaps the crime that they committed they're human beings and that's kind of the thesis of the show yeah yeah pretty much it, and, and that's you know i was sort of talking about that like oh there are even flashback episodes where they don't even go into what the crime was like uh there are some there are some people who have had flashback episodes and even by season six we don't really know what they're in for um, yeah, uh, Red is a Russian chef in the prison. Um, yeah, and we kind of find out that she operated a cafe with her husband and kind of got tangled up with some mafia people. And we don't really know what her crime was, but yeah, there's like some hints, but it's it's pretty vague. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think this is the this is the thing that I like the most about the show is every character started out as oh this is this. They oh this character fits into this box and then <laughs> it's just exploring that. Um, yeah, I can probably name one character so far that hasn't got any exploration, and I'm sure that they will soon. And that character is I, f- I actually don't know their name, but they're like they're a very quiet um, Asian lady who seems oh, to be Chang. the kind of representative Chang. That's it. The like representative of the of the loners group inside the prison. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone else is just like, oh, here's the depth of this character. Oh, here's the depth of that character. It's it's very, it's, yeah, it's affirming, you know? It's like, oh, all these people are, it's like, <laughs> if I imagine I was a side character in a TV show, um, I can see how my flashback episodes would go. 
and it, it may <laughs> and it just kind of forces you to confront the idea of like oh these people aren't how you just first see them they're actually real human beings um, yeah and especially because so many of them it, it turns out are just in there for like a, a, a short mistake or something yeah or or characters like uh tasty is a character who gets released in halfway through season one and then is back three or four episodes later because she just kind of couldn't the system had conspired in a way that she couldn't really find work and she couldn't really she didn't really have a place to live and she had debt to pay back to the prison and and all these things yeah. just meant that it was just easier for her and more comfortable for her to be back in prison mm. which obviously gets pretty conflicting uh responses from her friends in the prison yeah 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 um so <laughs> we've talked a lot about the characters i mean that's the strength of the show right yeah i like i would describe it as as character driven like there's there's really only a fairly loose plot most of the time, and really the plot just exists to set the stage for what all these, you know, colourful characters are going to do. I I want to call out one more excellent piece of writing that isn't character-related, um, that just demonstrates that... Uh, I've forgotten the name of the lady who who is be- the mind behind this show. It's something Genji, I think? Um, uh, Genji Cohen. Genji Cohen, that's it. Uh, that just demonstrates that how talented her and her team are, I suppose, which is the first episode of season two. Um, so season one ends with Piper uh, being attacked by, by Pensataki and fighting back and kind of snapping a bit and beating the, beating the heck out of her. Um, yeah. And then season two starts like three or four months later. I don't know how much time, some amount of time later. And she's been in solitary confinement all this time. Um, yeah. And without any, without any words to her, without telling her where they're going, she is taken out of the prison and put on a bus. And she's asking, oh, where am I going the whole time? And no one tells her. And this bus ride goes for a few hours. She meets other prisoners who all also don't know where they're going. And then without being told where she's going, she's put on a plane with some other prisoners. And this episode is, you know, the runtime is like 40 minutes or so. And for the first 30 minutes, it's Piper not knowing where she's going. And it's this it's literally terrifying. Like, it yeah. was, it's so tense. Um, the episode ends with her coming to this, eventually ending up in this other prison in Chicago, still not knowing why she's there. And then eventually she sees Alex and she talks to Alex and Alex towards the end of the episode reveals to her, oh, you're here because we're here for the trial. Um, we're here as as witnesses for the trial. Didn't anyone tell you? And she's like, no. And she finds out that that implies that she's only going to be here temporarily. Um, yeah, because well, uh, like, it's been a while since I saw her, but she convinces herself that she must have killed Pensataki and she's being transferred yeah. to maximum security. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, she or That's that's her kind of running theory, but she really has a bunch of ideas about what could have gone yeah. wrong. Um, and it's this, ep- it's this, it's so, it's like a masterstroke in how to build up tension in an audience to, to kind of relate to the, to the tension and to the fear that the character is feeling. Um, mm. it, it was, I was like floored by it. Like, even though for the first 30 minutes, it's basically just her getting on different methods of transport and people saying, no, I don't know where we're going either, but it's, <laughs> it's just so masterfully constructed. It, it really was. Yeah. It was an incredible episode. Um, and it demonstrates to me that this, this show isn't just born off of the strength of its character writing, although that is that is great. It really is just kind of masterfully constructed. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it, it like if you had all these interesting characters, you, you still need to do something interesting with them to 
for it to really work. Like, yeah, true. If, if that makes sense. So you know, they're you know that it's just a a good example of them showing that they can do that as well. Yeah, I I guess that's all I have to say about it for right now. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> show because it is like I do care about the plot, kind of, but it's just so not the reason that you watch it, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you get really invested in all of the in all of the inmates and and even yeah. some of the guards uh, and the prison staff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's one really nice guard, and I just know something bad's going to happen to her, but I just don't want it to. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and so I guess I'll give it a number, as as tradition demands. I, I think I'm going to give it an eight. It, it, it's hard to to say, but I think an eight is fair. Yeah. I, I just, I want to find out what happens to all the characters. I want to find out, <laughs> I, I just want good things for all of them. And I know that because this show is trying to depict the harsher realities of prison life, obviously they're not all going to get good things, but I want some of them to have happy endings at least. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, well, I think the fi- the final season's out halfway through next year, so uh, we'll see. They're all going to get out, and they're all going to get jobs, and they're <laughs> yeah. all going to be happy. That's what's happening. I just know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's that. It's a good show. Good show. So, Elliot, what's happening next fortnight? Yeah, well, so next fortnight uh, jingle, will be jingle, jingle. will be Christmas. Jingle, and jingle, and because jingle. apparently uh, you don't learn lessons, you've you've asked me to bring something for the Christmas. You just seem to know all the Christmas media. <laughs> it's become a holiday tradition that you recommend us a Christmas thing. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, you know, third time's the charm. Um, hopefully, I'll get a, a decent score this time. Um, so the next next Fortnite episode will actually come out on Christmas Day. So yes. you know, gather around the little ones and listen to us talk about. What? Gremlins. Gremlins. Uh, the 1984, I probably should have looked that up, uh, <laughs> movie by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the it, director of Ready Player One. Yep, that's what he's famous for. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, it's basically a story about a kid who gets a pet for Christmas, uh, and this pet is like a, a little, oh, it's like this magical Chinese creature. Um, that has all these rules, uh, and uh, like, I mean, I think that's a bit of a pop culture thing. The rules about gremlins, so you may be yep. familiar with some of them. Um, don't feed it after midnight. Yep. Don't get it wet. Yep. And there's and, one more. Uh, use a condom. <laughs> no sunlight. Um, <laughs> no sunlight. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, and so of course they managed to like mess up all three of those rules. Uh, very early on, and, and so then you know the movie is sort of basically this the, these people in this small town trying to contain uh this massive army of gremlins they've accidentally created. <laughs> it's a good premise for a movie. I like it. Yeah, it is, and it, it, it's like so. I, I rewatched it last night just to make sure this wasn't going to be another Robbie the Reindeer because I hadn't seen it since I was about twelve. So wanted to yep. make sure. Uh, it, and I mean, it's a little bit of a kids' movie. Um. But more so, I mean, it's Christmas. Everything's a little bit of a kids' movie. Yeah. So it only really bothered me, I think, at the start. Like there were there were maybe a a couple of bits in the first twenty minutes where things were just a little bit overly cliched or overly done. Where I was just like, oh, uh, you know, come on. Uh, But the Mm. the movie definitely it picks up, and I I still had a lot of fun watching it um, last night. So I think it it holds up. Um, And I was reading this and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
were actually mm. the reason that they created the PG-13 rating in America, because it oh, wasn't... Really? Yeah, they're like, Gremlins wasn't quite worthy of an M rating, but yeah. also it, it probably isn't suitable for kids like under the age of 10. So they yeah. they created a whole new rating for this one in Indiana Jones. Um, mm. So and that's that's about where go. it sits. Uh, you know, it's mostly family friendly, but there's there's definitely some bits in there. Where I was watching it last night, and I was like, "Wow, I watched this when I was 10? Like, yeah, holy shit. I think there's <laughs> there's definitely that era of films where kids' <laughs> movies can just have one or two really unsettling things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so no, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's it's a funny premise, and you know, it it just it's a movie that has fun with itself, and and I think that comes across pretty well. All right, so uh, we'll be back in a fortnight to talk about Christmas Gremlins. Yes, we will. Um, I guess that's the end of our show. Then, if you want to yeah. talk to us about Christmas Gremlins <laughs> or just regular Gremlins. Uh, you can interact with the show in a number of ways, all of which can be found on our website, which is mediamdpodcast.com. So there are links to follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you could leave us a review on iTunes, as well as links to our discussion threads, ways to contact us, and all of the previous clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why is his brother so reclusive. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Woodstains. Woodstains. And we will see you next fortnight. Merry Christmas.